Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 82 of Season 5 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and join me once again today on this, uh, I guess, you, you, she's back at school today, you know, because yeah. Labor Day is now over, is uh, Lisa Leahy from the Rabbit Hole Podcast Network. Welcome back, Lisa, and and sorry that, you know, you gotta you got to go back to work. Summer's That's over. okay. That's all right. It's a good time. I had I had my time to refresh. I'm feeling good, ready for a new year, so it's all good. All right, great. I'm I'm, I'm glad because you know I look at it from the perspective that if you didn't enjoy your job so much, you wouldn't have been doing it for so many years. So it it, it can't true. be that, I, or maybe you just like having you know your summers off. I don't know. There there are teachers who who do it for the fact they get two months off a year. I don't know. I don't know. I feel that. like if you do this job, you can't. Ju- no, we don't get paid for the summer. It's we're we're only getting paid for the the 180 185 days. They take that salary and they might spread it over uh, the okay. course of 26 weeks. But trust me, we're not getting paid for summer. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I don't know. I couldn't be a teacher who disliked being in the classroom. Right. It's just it's too much of a torment, I think. So, but um, yeah, year 24, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have another ten days till I I hit my uh, I'll begin my twenty sixth year in in my job. So yeah, you know we we wow. all yeah, yeah it's just crazy. <laughs> it's We're of a certain more than, age, Rob. More than half my life, you know. <laughs> yep. Actually, I'm I, even at this point, it's more than half my life. So there you go. <laughs> yep. So minute eighty two. But again, as we said, if you don't, if you didn't, if if we didn't like what we do, we wouldn't be doing it. So that's it. All right, so minute 82 begins with John continuing his report and ends with Burns getting an idea. So we we ended things yesterday with John coming to, uh, you know, trying to explain, we don't know to who, because the two people who are standing there is some, you know, indescript doctor and the arm of a soldier. So we're, I, don't, I don't really know, because <laughs> we don't yet know who he's talking to. And he right. yesterday he started off by saying Esperanza's down, and today he continues with his buddy's hurt. He took a round in his shoulder. Plus, I got one or more of their guys. Just to remind everyone, Thompson, you know, Rip Thompson, who who got uh, you know shot in shot in the neck. And he goes, that's six they've lost mm-hmm. altogether. Do you remember which six are dead now? Do you have any idea? Have you been paying attention, which, Lisa? Which six are dead now? Yeah, so I know Robert Patrick is dead. Okay, or um, O'Reilly. Yes. Yes. So O'Reilly is dead. I couldn't give you the names. All I know is that I was watching Robert Patrick um, and determining was this first or was Terminator 2 first? And this movie is first. This this movie, so, this um, movie got him the audition for Terminator yes. 2. And I'm so glad it did. Yes. <laughs> um, but yes, I couldn't give you any of the other gentlemen's names. OK, so but anybody who was in that air bridge, that sky bridge that they were building, they're all down now. The skywalk, skywalk. Come on, that you can't skywalk. It's it's much easier to remember Sorry. when you think of it. Think of it from a Star Wars perspective. It's a skywalk. There you go. The Anakin. But skywalk. I'm not a Star Wars nerd. I'm not a Star Star Wars. Oh God, words are hard today. I'm not a <laughs> Star Wars nerd, so it's not where my brain goes initially. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. That that's a problem. Shame on me. Well, you you, you said I, I need to find a reason I'm not, not to invite you back. Star Wars. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, just don't call me for a Star Wars film because I'm not going to be much use to you. Uh, no, but, um, you know Pete, Pete and Alex have already done those. Nobody nobody else is going to go. go there. Yeah. No one. Yeah. No one can. My top husband them. is a Star Trek. 
My husband's a Trekkie, but I, I'm not anti either one, but they're not my wheelhouse, so. Okay, that, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you got yourself out of that one. <laughs> so basically, we have... You'll allow me to stay. That's right. So Cochran, you know, died in the luggage area. Then we had Shockley, O'Reilly, mm -hmm. Sheldon, and Monkey were the four guys that were that were killed, you know, uh, dressed as painters in the annex, in the Skywalk, annex Skywalk. And then last week, we, we had Thompson die. So we, we got six so far. Who was the guy who got smushed? Who's that was, the one who got that was smushed Cochran. by the Cochran. That was a good one. Yes, 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 yes. And we have a few more. We have a few more over the next few weeks that are still coming around too, because we we know that there's only a dozen of them. So he's they're, they're down to half of them. Or actually, now that they're, mm -hmm. they're they're one up because they can add Esperanza to their uh, you know cadre. <laughs> well, we know that they're essentially half out. They don't though. The police and the right. plane and them. They don't Correct. know how many there Correct. actually are. Correct. Right. And then basically, I mean, first of all, it's great just looking at, you know, as John is is talking, you know, we, we have this this doctor who's who's, uh, you know, wrapping him up. And did you notice that he has like a pin on his lapel? The doctor or McLean? The doctor, the doctor. Uh, sort of. I, I may have noticed it, but it didn't register my attention. OK, so he has. Because uh, I do remember he was in like a suit coat, right? Yes, yes, he's he's yeah, he's some for some reason he's completely dressed up. Um, Very formal. Yes, and he has what's known as a uh, caduceus. Am I pronouncing? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that oh, right. Oh, you are. You are pronouncing that properly. Yes. So, do you know what a caduceus is? That is the symbol of the medical profession. That's the um, something with the two. It's like the two snakes intertwining. That's right. With the staff, um, I know it's the a staff, symbol of one of the gods, but I the, can't remember which one it is. The staff carried by Hermes. Mer Mercury, 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 Hermes. Which... Well, Mercury is the Roman god, so yeah, Hermes in the Greek. Right, so it's, it's either. You know, it's, it's the same thing, basically. <laughs> well, no, it is the same god, but it depends on whose, whose faith you're looking into. You know, when Correct. I teach the Odyssey, it's Hermes. Right, <laughs> that's right. Um, and I mean, that is obviously known as the symbol for, for, uh, medicine. And it was actually adopted by the U S military. Um, and that, do, do you know, what, as for theirs or for medicine, for medicine within using it, using it within the military to symbolize, uh, the medical branches. I did not know that. Yeah. And so that, that actually goes all the way back to the, to the 1850s. Okay. Ooh. They, they would have, uh, you know, hospital stewards would, would have it on their chevrons, uh, from, uh, they, there, there are cases that people have found from 1856. Uh, there, there are some people who say that it actually started in 1851, you know, but, uh, you know, basically, it was the Surgeon General at the time that decided that they were going to do that in order to some ways differentiate, you know, who's working in the medical profession in, in the military. Makes sense. Right. Then the the Army uh, formally adopted it for their entire medical department as their symbol in 1902. And they would then add that to the uniforms, you know, as a symbol for, for, for all of the... Uh, you know, and anyone in the medical profession. I mean, I know that, for instance, in the in the Israeli army, that is the symbol for the the medical wing. Also, you know, it's it's uh, mm -hmm. it has a I think a 
think it's a, a green snake with I, i'm trying to remember it's a, it's a snake going around you know the the staff the, the staff exactly yes and obviously yep. you know you see it quite often on uh you'll see it on ambulances and things like that mm -hmm. so yeah that's just I think it's a pretty uh universally recognized mm -hmm. symbol yeah yeah, I think so. And I, I couldn't tell who who this 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 actor is. He doesn't have any um, any any lines in the movie, and I didn't see that he is credited at all on IMDb. So you know, they they just found some guy to say, "Oh, we're going to pretend that you're a doctor, and you're going to, you know, yeah, we'll we'll let you, you know, patch up John uh, better than anyone else is able to do it beforehand and stuff like that." You you can patch up Bruce Willis. What an honor. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, you'd think that they would even have in the IMDb, it would say like airport doctor or something like that, you know, even uncredited yes, or something usually. like that. Nothing. Well, I think you, I think when you're uncredited, you have to tag yourself. Correct. So this guy probably just can't be bothered. I mean, 1990, he's not the kind of guy, you know, judging by the hair color right. generally. Okay and make a generalization here but he looks like an older gentleman yes. chances are he doesn't care whether or not he's gonna credit on imdb that's probably true and and i love after he like wraps up john he like pats him on the shoulder like more or less to say you're good to yes. go <laughs> yeah you know, oh, you're that fine now boy. you're fine now. Oh, there you go i i, I wrapped you up <laughs> here's your lollipop that's right move along and then lorenzo uh responds and he goes, well, maybe if we knew how many they had to start with, we could get excited. But if they got 50 guys, it's a little early to break out the champagne. <laughs> you know, he's... What a pain in the ass this seriously, guy is. Seriously, I mean, he's such a pessimist. I mean, he's right. But yep. he's a, he, but the, I, I think it has more to do with, with his delivery than actually, you know, I, I don't have anything against what he says because he's right. But just his delivery and, and the... You know his his intonation and his tone just makes it seem like okay, this is not a guy you want around. You know, and also he's the fact that he's not the one being praised. That's you true. know, McLean is the one who's showing him up at every corner. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I love the fact that that you know Lorenzo's on the other side of the room and he gets up and he comments on this. So it's like you know, it wasn't mm -hmm. that he was sitting directly across from John when John's giving this report. No, you know. <laughs> He's going to make sure his comment is heard, though. That's right. That's right. And then uh, the the silence or the, the, the conversation between the two of them is broken up by the fact that uh, Grant comes into the room and goes, we appreciate your effort, McLean, but we don't need a loose cannon on this deck. What if they decide to crash another plane in retaliation for your little stunt? And then John goes, they can't do that anymore. Right, Barnes? And Barnes like nods and he goes, besides... If I grab this bronzer, this would be all over by now. Well, maybe they're just a little bit more creative than you think. <laughs> well, at least I'm thinking, God damn it. Now, yep. first of all, I, I mean, I like the argument between the two of them, but it's completely unnecessary. You know, there's, I agree. there's no reason why Grant needs to come in and start complaining and things like that. Because John did try something. They didn't try anything. And, but, but. You'd think that they would have already briefed um, Grant on the fact that they've found a way around this whole thing that they can crash a plane. Right. They they should have already told him this. I, <laughs> I I agree. It's it's just this weird moment of like we need to have we have to set up this animosity. Right. 
further. We need to make sure it looks more like John versus everyone else. You know, the officials right. there. Um, and that's the only reason I can find a, a purpose for this kind of scene. Yeah, that's true. Do, do you know the definition of a loose cannon? Uh, like a specific where it came from or the idiom? No, just the idiom. What does it mean? Well, the idea of somebody who is, you know, can't be controlled, somebody who's going to make impulsive decisions and is probably going to ruin it for everybody else. Exactly. It is someone who behaves in an uncontrolled or unexpected way and is likely to cause yeah. problems for other people. Mm -hmm. It's actually also a, a idiom or a term used on, uh, on uh, battleships. A loose cannon is a mm -hmm. hazard, any type of hazard that you might have on a, on a battleship. You know, and it could also be yep. a person. Well, if you think like, you think like the cannon, if we take the literal meaning of it, right? Like a cannon, when the cannonball is fired out of it, you know, physics, this thing is going to push back right. too. And so if you've got this giant iron cannon that's loose, it's going to push backwards. It's going to knock people out. It could bust out the other side of the ship. So yeah, that is going to create some havoc. Right. So it makes sense to me. It's true. It's 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 one of those idioms that I can actually logically think through. Right. Some of the other ones are a little weirder, and we don't know where they come from. Right. Right. And I mean, I I love John's response. Well, at least I'm thinking. You know, it's a bit of a jab mm -hmm. at Grant and everyone else. It's basically, I mean, I've mentioned this numerous times over the this entire podcast that that you know John is the smartest guy in the room here. Doesn't matter who everyone else is. Absolutely. There's nobody who who is smarter than John. I mean, in the first movie, we saw that John was street smart. And that's what got him along here. I, I can't necessarily say that here that's what's helping him because he's street smart, but but he's the guy who figures everything out before anyone else. You know, yep. he's the only one yep. who's who's able to do that. Yep. All right. I mean, it's it's very much that that current that you know '90s action trope where you know any kind of official group of law enforcement is going to be completely inept. Right. You know, like that's this whole underdog story is that the people that you need to call are never going to be the ones who can actually help you. They can't find their way out of a paper bag. And this just, you know, we're doing the local airport police and the, the military that's right. can't find their way out of a paper bag. That's true. That's true. And then Grant responds with a really, really strange comment, which we're not going to go too much into because this is a family show, but I'm still going to say it. So he says, listen, you wise ass, we're here to jerk off that cocksucker until he tries to take off, period. Now you're the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. So let, let's first talk about the first part of, of, of that uh, sentence that he says here, okay? I don't even know what, he's, what he means by what he's saying here, because like, what is the advantage of you know, stalling until they, they're ready to take off? You know, how does that help I anybody? I don't know. You know, actually, it, well, when, when you know what Grant's real plan is, then, then you sort of can understand that. But, but how, can he, of how can he explain this to anybody? You know, how can he, you know, find a way to, to explain that the reason we're waiting is because we want to wait until they get on their plane? <laughs> right. It just, it doesn't, I mean, it would make sense if we weren't in Washington, D.C. Like, this guy has been extradited. And w what? They're going to extradite him. They're going to bring him into Washington, D.C. And what? That's a layover? And they're going where? Kentucky? Like, I, it doesn't make sense to me as far as, like, what the purpose would be for him to kind of have a layover and we're just going to hang out with him until he leaves again. 
I mean, the only thing I could possibly think of is maybe the idea that, you know, airport security is going to hang on to them until somebody more formal takes them. But no, again, but, they, it's but they said the Justice Department, no, the Justice Department is there. Exactly. So th it doesn't make sense, like you said. So I honestly, again, think somebody stuck a line in there as a breadcrumb. Um, trying to one suggest other things and two push this idea of animosity among them. Right. Yeah. It's the only thing I can come up with. I mean, I got to dig into my, my English degrees to come up with that level of BS. Yeah, so. exactly. No, it's, it's just very, very <laughs> strange. And then he has the, the, then Grant gets the most iconic line from this movie, you know, where he says, you're the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, story of my life. Story of my life is John's response. This was prominently featured on every single one of the trailers of this movie uh, for obvious yeah. reasons. Well, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Rennie Harlan says on the commentary that he made sure that this line got in there for that very reason, because he wanted to make sure. Because, and, and he also said he shot it in a, in a certain way so that it could be used much better in the trailer. You know, I think it's like a straight on shot of John. As opposed to from the side or anything like yep. that. So, yeah, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> Down goes, yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting to, like, plan your movie knowing that there's certain shots that will make it into the trailer. I think that's kind of a cool technique. Yes. I, I, well, you know, it, and also, you know, Rennie Harlan wasn't that much of a, uh, you know, he hadn't had that much of a resume before this movie. I mean, this was his first major mm -hmm. movie. So. Yep. You know, it makes you wonder where did he, you know, he, he's learned his technique somewhere where he needed to know that, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I want to use this in the trailer. So we're going to make sure to have that there, you know, that type of thing. I mean, maybe he's, you know, he's a movie guy. You know, I think all of us could watch a movie and go, all right, that goes in the trailer. That goes in the trailer. You know, we know when you watch a film and there's a shot, you know, you know, the money shot. You watch the movie and you go, you know, that in the dailies when they were watching it and when they were framing that, they all just went, oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. Like, we all know that <laughs> shot. And, you know, this was one that's of true. them. You know, he's like, we're going to make sure this is the one that gets in there. You know, the, the title reveal of Evil Dead Rise is the money shot. It's like, oh, that was such a good shot. Nice job, guys. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's something to that. You know, and, and John takes this all in stride. You know, his his response is very uh, calm and he has a, a very calm demeanor in the way that he, he does where he says the story of my life. Mm -hmm. Then uh, we have Telford show up again and he goes, Major, Pentagon Situation Room, sir. Now, do do you know who Telford is? Did you look up by any chance who this guy is? He's 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 I basically the the radio guy for for Grant's team. Okay, which oh. which, oh, which something will happen to him in the next few weeks. We're not gonna we're not gonna spoil it. Okay, but he's married to Rebecca De Mornay. He's like ten years. No he's, kidding. Yes, Still, he is ten years her junior, and they have two oh. kids together. For him, <laughs> and she was huge at that time. Well, I don't I, no, they, that I think that's right, time. but I, I don't know. I don't know if he was married at the time that this movie was made, but I'm saying today he is someone who's gotcha. who's married to her. I think he's been married to her for like 20 years, something like that, if I, if I remember correctly. I, I talked a little bit about that. I like when Hollywood couples stick through, yeah, especially you know, when, when one side of the couple is someone who you know isn't in that many movies. <laughs> You know, his, his, he doesn't have as uh, as prolific a career as she does. Let's put it that way. You know, but uh, it's still nice the way that he does it there. And then 
Grant responds and goes, Pentagon. I'll take it in here. Thank you, Telford. You men come with me. Mm. He points to, to a few guys important. coming next to him. Yeah, I guess they, they need their silence. You know, they need their privacy and stuff like that. And then Barnes uh, inches up towards McLean. He goes, McLean. Yeah, Barnes. You said those guys. And then he gets cut off. We're going to have to wait until tomorrow to find out what John apparently said to him about those guys. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just remember that yesterday we were talking about the fact, remember, I, I challenged you about, about something that maybe was in the script or not. And we, we never, we never yes. talked about it. I mean, the fact that, you know, the video sleaze award, but, but it was in the script. We just, you know, we didn't, we didn't acknowledge the fact that it wasn't an antlet, that it was something that was in the script. Yeah. Right. No, it was, it, it was actually something that was yeah, for her. Sure. All right. So you have anything else for this minute before we get into the script? No, I think this one was good. This was a lot of yelling. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, ugh, a bunch of guys yelling. Get onto the action. Start blowing That's stuff right. up. <laughs> All right. That's why yeah, I'm that's here. true. So the script basically, uh, you know, continues. John says the same thing. You know, uh, Esperanza's down. He's hurt. I killed one more man. They're six. They've lost altogether. And then Lorenzo, unimpressed, says, maybe if we know how many they had to start with, we can get excited. But they got 50 guys. It's a little early. They break out the champagne. You know, word for word. Um, Grant mentions loose cannon. He talks about retaliation for, for the little stunt. Uh, then McLean says, last I heard, I, they can't do that. And if I grab Desperanza, the situation would be over. So, it, you know, slight change in, in what he says there. Not really much. Uh, and then, you know, the, the rest of, of what Grant says is exactly the same, except he says, this time you're the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, as opposed to, okay. you know, again, slightly different, just a different way of saying it. Yeah. You know, it says John flicks away a cigarette and then says a story of my life. And flicks away the yeah. cigarette. I can imagine. <laughs> the flick. That's right. That's a good little point too. That's right. And then uh, they they don't have anything about the situation room or anything like that. That that's uh, completely cut out, cut out of the or it's not part of the script. It was something that was added later. Ah. Yeah. So every Tuesday I have a segment called Disaster Tuesday, where basically Ugh. basically because this movie deals with an airplane disaster, so I decided that I would you know highlight some uh, unfortunate. Uh, airplane disasters that have happened. Oh, these are historical disasters. Oh, no, I thought you were talking like disasters. No, sorry. sorry. Oh, no. Dear. Well, this okay. one, I, I got to say, this one sort of fits into that realm. You'll you'll understand in a second why. Um, so I, I decided that this time I'm going to discuss uh, what happened with uh, the actor Vic Morrow in while ah. filming the Twilight Zone, the movie. Okay. So, I mean, that, that's, that's a, a movie that was uh, directed by uh, John Landis. Uh, the movie has four different segments. And there's a segment called Time Out, where basically you have a character played by Vic Morrow, who is transported back in time to Vietnam, where he becomes a Viet Vietnamese person, a man who has to protect two children from American troops. The whole idea here is, is that, you know, he... He can sort of understand, you know, he, he, they show him as a racist or a bigot at the beginning. And then he basically, uh, you know, uh, you know, needs to, to, they, they, he gets the opportunity to 
feel what it's like to be on the other side. Yes. Live in someone else's yeah. shoes. So uh, yeah. John Landis, who directed it, apparently uh, violated California's child labor laws because he hired a seven-year-old and six-year-old uh, children to play uh, uh, two characters, and they, they didn't have the, the proper permits. Um, apparently, there are numerous labor violations that were connected with uh, other people that were also involved in this accident. And basically what, what happened was is they were filming a scene with a helicopter. Um, are you, are you yeah. familiar with, with, with the, the, the story? I am familiar with this. I am. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, very, it's very unfortunate. This, the, uh, all of these stories yeah. in the segment you know, that I've talked about are, are always unfortunate stories. Uh, basically, what what was called for is in the scene, uh, Vic Morrow's character is supposed to carry the two children out of the village, you know, and uh, you know go across a river while being pursued by by uh, soldiers that are hovering in a helicopter nearby. Uh, basically, what happened was is that uh, they they detonated one of the special effects a little too early, and uh, the helicopter tail rotor was still above it. And some of the uh, uh, the metal lid on the top of one of the mortars struck the tail rotor, causing the roller, rotor to fail and detach from the tail. And uh, the low-flying helicopter uh, began, to, began to spin out of control. And Marl was was uh, running with the with the, with the two children, and the helicopter ended up falling on top of him and the children. Uh, I'm not going to go into gruesome detail as to what happened to the bodies, uh, but uh, right. all three of them uh, died almost instantly. What's very interesting is the fact that Vic Morrow always had a fear of flying because he claims that he always knew that he would die of some sort of plane crash. Wow. I didn't know that detail. Basically, he was a... He he was the father of. Do you know who who his actor's daughter is? I did at one point. I don't know now. I don't remember. Um, Jennifer Jason Leigh. Oh, no, I don't think I knew that. I was just watching Annihilation the other day. Okay. And she's in that. She's brilliant. I love her. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 a known fact that uh, Vic Morrow had uh, a a very strong fear of of flying. There, there I actually. Somehow I missed that. <laughs> yeah, there, there was. I, I actually saw a movie just, just like a month ago the, with him, which I, I had never even heard of before. And, you know, part of the whole thing was it, uh, the movie was from 1974. It's called Dirty Mary Crazy Larry. I've never heard of that. Uh, I had never heard of it either. It's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's basically a car chase movie. Oh, interesting. And he plays the cop who's chasing after, after them. Now, uh, basically, Vic Morrow, if in this movie, he insisted that, that he gets a $1 million life insurance policy before he would film any scenes involving the helicopter and said that if he wouldn't be insured, he would walk off the picture. Okay, and again, this is in 1974, so this is eight years earlier before the before the, this accident. Uh, wow. Uh, his wish was granted, and he very reluctantly agreed to fly on the, the chopper. When asked why he wanted the policy, Morrow replied, I've always had a premonition that I'll be killed in a helicopter crash. That's nutty. That's Final Destination stuff. Seriously. Um, yeah, so it's, it's very interesting that, that, you know, eight years earlier, he, he, you know, he, he was in a movie and he only agreed to, to do it if they did a $1 million policy on him, you know, right. because he thought that, all right, this is what's going to, uh, you know, I'm not. 
How can you to have a premonition like that? Oh my God. Yeah, that's scary. And I, I don't know how a million dollars would help. You know, <laughs> I mean, help his family, but it wouldn't help him. No, well, it wouldn't be for him. Yeah. So there's there's basically been a lot of controversy over the years since since you know in the 41 years since since his accident about you know about who's at fault and who should be tried yeah. and stuff like that i mean they they say that that uh, you know maybe it should have been the explosive specialist or you know, you know maybe what? yeah this I maybe mean, it's just a bad accident you know yes it, it's just one of those terrible awful things that occurs Right. And, and even in movies, it happens. I mean, we just two years ago, there was there was that 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 horrible uh, accident that that probably shouldn't have happened, you know, on the set with mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, Alec these Baldwin, are things that yeah. that's right. these are things that shouldn't happen. But, you know, when 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 people sometimes do careless things or, you know, sometimes it's careless and sometimes it just happens to be that. Right. Uh, you know, I don't know. What can I tell you? So, Lisa, do you want to once again tell people where they can get in touch with you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at FoolishMinion20. Um, I haven't quite figured out how to start a second account on stuff like Threads and Blue Sky and stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll show up there eventually. Um, But you can catch me on a number of podcasts on the Rabbit Hole Podcast Network. Check us out at rabbitholepodcasts.com. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. You can find me on Facebook and you can find me on Twitter. So until tomorrow, yippee Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little village.